An entitled, spoiled brat ruins my brother's birthday, destroys our property, and tries to rob me blind right in front of me. And I honestly could not be more upset. So for my brother's eighth birthday party, he had decided upon a DC Comics superhero theme. But not just that. He wanted a sort of Contest of Champions collection of DC-inspired party games for him and his friends. With rankings and winners decided at the end of the day with prizes and stuff like that. Frankly, I think my family and I did a great job designing party games and decorating the house. And it would be an understatement to say that we were confident that the party was going to blow these kids' minds. Around 11 o'clock in the morning, my brother's friends began to arrive and soon we had 20 hyper 8-year-olds on our hands. However, we were still waiting on a friend who lived on the compound to show up. Luckily, he knocked on our back door that moment and I went to open it to find the friend, the friend's 6-year-old brother Jake, and their mom waiting for me. She ushered the two of them inside quickly, said everything looked great, thanked me, and then darted off. There was only one problem, however. Jake was not invited to this party, and this was for good reason. Jake's brother and my brother's friend was really nice, and his mother was delightful, but he, however, was not so delightful. He was spoiled, entitled, and still expected to be babied at six years old. And you know what? This was not a part of the plan. Jake's older brother went to join the rest of the boys, ready for the championship to begin. And Jake just stood there before turning to my mom, uttering one single word. Chips. I want chips. My mom simply said to him, Don't worry, we'll be doing lunch after the games. There will be plenty of chips for you then. Jake just blinked back up at her before walking past her into our kitchen and began to go through our cupboards. My mom, somewhat in shock, exchanged bewildered glances with me before following him into the kitchen and lightly escorting him out there to the rest of the boys. So we are already off to a great start. The time had come for the contest of champions, and the boys enjoyed round after round of dopey party games with light DC theming, such as archery practice with these soft darts that we named Green Arrow Salt, or even our one game called Wonder Woman Lasso Toss, where contestants threw these ropes and tried to win. Stuff along those lines. It was honestly a lot of fun. But it wouldn't be long, however, until we encountered our first Jake-related problem, and it honestly still blows my mind. During a game called Superman Strength Test, which is basically just arm wrestling, the second my brother's hand touched his, he broke down into a temper tantrum, insisting my brother had broken his arm. To help him calm down and to keep the games moving along smoothly, my mom gave him a mini bag of chocolates just to keep him quiet. And this set a dreadful precedent, however, because from this point onwards, after each game, Jake expected a packet of sweets, whether he won or not. And should he not receive said sweets, he would somehow stage an injury or claim that someone's bullying him to ensure that he would be calmed down with some sugary sustenance. The final game of the day was a mini tournament of Injustice Gods Among Us on the PS3. It's a DC-themed fighting game in the style of Mortal Kombat, but a lot less violent. Despite me explaining clearly to the kids how to play and allowing practice rounds, when it came to the match of the century, Jake versus some other kid, Jake began to cry almost instantly when this other kid landed the first blow, thus resulting in Jake smashing my controller onto the ground, breaking it into pieces, and ending this final challenge prematurely for the other kids before running off in tears. Somberly, I led the kids back to the dining room, mourning the loss of my controller so that we could count up everybody's scores and name the champions. My mom noticed Jake's absence and minutes later found Jake in our kitchen cupboard, having found a sharing bag of Doritos, on which he'd chosen to gorge himself of these said Doritos. 
Naturally, when it came to counting up the scores, it would come as no surprise to anyone that Jake was in last. The top three kids each received a Batman action figure, which I can't lie, were really, really cool. And every other kid got a Lego minifigure blind bag packet to enjoy. Suffice to say, Jake was most displeased by his feeble participation award and attempted to steal one of the Batman figurines from the prize table. My mom told him calmly that these weren't for him and helped him open his Lego minifigure pack which, of course, contained a figure that he took particular offense to. Not wanting another tantrum, I offered to trade him one of my figures from my room, as I was an avid Lego collector at the time, and I had hundreds of these things, that I was sure at least one of them could temper his rage. Well, it didn't take a psychic to guess that Jake would select one of my favorites and most valuable figures, a large-scale Lego of Smaug the Dragon from The Hobbit, and he wanted this as a trade. I explained to him I wouldn't be trading that, and he could pick from a selection I curated for him, to which he reluctantly agreed. He eventually decided upon a stormtrooper, and I thought that would be the end of it. But if you had been paying attention to this story, then you can guess that that's definitely not the case. Hastily, I led Jake back downstairs so I could help my mom with getting the kids to the right parents, as well as handing out party bags and all the other stuff associated with it. Of course, the sneaky gremlin took his chance to slink away once again, and so once all the kids had left, a search party was deployed to locate my least favorite person. And no, you don't even have to win a prize to guess where he was. Jake was in my room, stuffing his pockets full of as many figurines as he could. And when I opened the door, he was caught in the act of hiding Smaug under his shirt. As calmly as I possibly could, I told him to empty his pockets and return my Legos to me. He screamed at me that I was a mean liar and that I was robbing him and began to scream and jump up and down on the spot until my mom came into my room. She told him that his mother was here to pick him up and that he needed to return my Legos to me right now. In response, he emptied it all out onto the floor before wiping his tears and running to his mother. And wouldn't you guess it, this entitled brat was asking for chips from his mother. His mother told him that she would go get him some and thanked my mom and I for looking after her little angel all day. I'd never been happier to see somebody leave in my life. And I honestly hope I never have to deal with that spoiled brat ever again. How unfortunate is that? Your brother's friend brings his brother along, who just so happens to be an absolute nightmare and just completely ruins the party. I mean, I'm honestly surprised that you didn't tell his mom that this kid broke your controller and tried to rob you blind. I mean, how ridiculous is that? He was trying to stuff Legos into his pocket and really thought for a second that he was going to get away with it. So hopefully when your brother's friend comes over, he doesn't bring Jake with him. That spoiled brat can stay at home. Otherwise, there's just going to be more problems. I'm moving in with my boyfriend, but all he ever does is play video games, and I honestly don't know what to do. I'm using an anonymous username as I don't want to use my main account. I knew my boyfriend was a gamer when I met him. I've known in the past couple of years that we've been dating that he does it a fair amount. I actually enjoy watching some of the games that he plays, such as Tarkov and Elden Ring especially. What I didn't realize was that he would spend the same amount of time gaming when I moved into the house with him. He owns his own business and works from home. He normally only works three to four hours a day. He has done really well for himself and he doesn't need to work more than that. But every night, Monday through Friday, and also a lot on Sunday, he spends his time playing video games. I come home from work at six o'clock at night and he is already playing. He stops when I have finished preparing dinner, we both eat, and then he is back on the game until he goes to bed. I normally try to get to bed at about 11 o'clock as I have to be up by about 6.45 
5 in the morning. He normally comes to bed at midnight, but then wants to chat or spend some time together or whatever. And by then, I just want to go to sleep. He doesn't ignore me when he's playing his video games, though. We do speak, but we don't have a conversation, really. We don't really watch TV together or a movie or really go out. He just games, and I just find something to amuse myself with. I don't expect his undivided attention, and as I said, I do enjoy watching some of the games that he plays, but this amount of time is just too much. He is clocking 30 to 35 hours a week, and that is just when I'm at home in the house. We do spend Friday and Saturday evenings together, with no gaming at all, so there is some kind of break. I have brought this up to him, and he says that this is just what he has always done. Plus, we do spend two nights a week together. He is a homebody, and doesn't like to go out during the week, and doesn't enjoy TV or Netflix or anything like that, so he thinks I should do those things while he games. I do get his point to an extent. So it begs the question, am I making this a bigger deal than it actually is? And at this point, I think that might be the case. I think I just need to leave him to it and find more things to do myself in the evening. Honestly, it's all so confusing and I don't know what to do. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A lot is being asked of people working in schools. Teachers have more and more things to do. The shortage of teachers right now, um, you know, having to fill a lot of holes and, and wear a lot of hats, it's, it's very difficult. There are steps you can take to manage stressful times, whether in the classroom or outside of work. For me personally, I can disconnect by just being outside. Laughing <laughs> works a lot. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education, is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. 
I can understand where the original poster is coming from. It sounds like they want to have some kind of quality time with their boyfriend, but instead their boyfriend is just not taking the time to do that with them. Sure, this may be something that the boyfriend has done for a very long time, and it's something that they've just always done at night just to spend some time with themselves and play some video games or whatever, but when you're in a relationship and that person is living with you, some compromises need to be made. So I think having a conversation with him and saying, hey, let's maybe pull back on the gaming a little bit so we can spend some quality time together would probably go a really long way for the both of you. And I don't think that's unreasonable. Spending 30 to 35 hours a week playing video games, in my opinion, is a lot. The original poster also goes on to say that they're not neglecting any of their duties with like chores and stuff, but they would like for them to step up and do more when it comes to cooking dinner, which is totally understandable. So maybe talking to him and seeing if he can step up to the plate and help out in that regard would probably go a really long way. So hopefully he's able to pull away from gaming and you're able to have some quality time together. Because in the long run, if this doesn't change, then this is honestly going to be very annoying. My partner of two and a half years has some very concerning hygiene issues, and I'm not sure how to confront him about it, and I don't know what to do. So I've been dating my boyfriend for two and a half years, and we've been living together for just over a month. Before living together, I noticed a few issues, but at the time, I didn't feel the deep need to address them. But now that I'm living and spending a lot of time with him, there are some serious issues I feel I need to bring up. For one, he told me that he doesn't use soap in the shower, so afterwards his skin feels itchy. He uses head and shoulder shampoo and claims that letting the suds from that run over his body is enough to clean him. Now, I am aware of the school of thought that he doesn't necessarily need to use soap and other harsh chemicals to be clean, but he has some other skin issues such as acne, as well as some dandruff, so I feel that he needs to use some sort of cleaner because clearly just water and shampoo suds is not working. He also rarely uses deodorant of any kind. This, coupled with the fact that he does not use soap in the shower, means that he often just smells of sweat. Even after showering, he often just has this certain smell about him. And since living together, I've been in charge of washing our bedding because he's the type of guy that will literally not wash his sheets for two to three months at a time and be completely fine with that. But you know what? I am not fine with that. So I've been washing them every two weeks with me washing our pillowcases about once a week. In fact, this morning, I rolled over and I was confronted with a waft of the most sour smell I've ever smelled in my life and I realized that it was coming from his pillow. Despite the fact that I washed the pillowcase five or six days ago, it still smelled terrible. This makes me think that it's either the pillow protector or the pillow itself that smells so bad. There are a few other things related to his hygiene that are really bad, but honestly these are the main ones. I love him and I deeply care about him as well as the relationship that we have. But these things are really bothering me. We share a bed, an apartment, and our bodies with each other. And I feel that he should be more cognizant of that. He's really aware of other things. For instance, his shirts are always ironed. His nails are always clean and trimmed. He has decent oral hygiene. But he does not seem to care about these other things. And I just don't understand why. I care deeply about what he thinks of me. And how I smell or look or feel while I'm around him. He does not seem to have that same concern for what I think of him. So I'm worried that he's just going to dismiss my concerns as being petty. How do I address the issue without sounding cruel or like I'm trying to tear him down? I want to be constructive, but also make it clear that this hygiene issue is having an effect on me, as well as our relationship as a whole, because now I don't feel 100% comfortable around him, especially when we're spending time in bed. What should I do? I can't imagine living with someone like that who doesn't use deodorant and doesn't use soap when they wash themselves. 
Like, don't get me wrong, I get it. Some people have different hygiene expectations in life, but what you're describing actually sounds disgusting. And I really think if I was in your shoes, I would definitely talk to him about this. There's a lot of different ways you could go about doing this, but either way, it really does require some kind of conversation. Because if I was in your shoes, there's no way I could live like this. And if you do have a conversation with him, I think you can approach the issue in a sensitive way so that you don't upset him or offend him in some way. Because in my opinion, there is nothing wrong with having this type of boundary set up just for your own happiness and well-being. So hopefully that conversation goes well. Because based on what you've described, this really does sound absolutely disgusting. My partner broke up with me out of nowhere after saying that she is having mental health struggles and she feels like she's not being a good enough girlfriend. Now she doesn't want to contact me until she is ready and I honestly don't know what to do. My partner and I were dating for six to seven months. Towards the end of it, last month or so, she started some new mental health medication. The new prescription is pretty heavy duty and her doctor told her that she would have a lot more anxiety and impulsive thoughts while her body adjusts to the medication. And you know what? It all turned out to be true. But it didn't bother me. I'm a therapist myself, so I know how to handle someone with anxiety. She even told me how supportive I was and how I really knew how to help her feel better. One day, we were making plans for dinner. We solidified our plans and she left for about 30 minutes to do a mundane task. And then when she came back, she broke up with me. It literally came out of nowhere. Everyone in our lives was shocked because of how solid and in love we really were. She said that she felt like she wasn't a good partner to me because of all this mental health stuff, which was crazy to hear. I literally had no complaints. She wanted some time to figure this stuff out. I asked if this was a breakup where we would never talk or see each other again or if this was a break. She said she didn't know. She wanted to see me again, but she didn't want to hold me back from seeing other people because what if she never got better? But I told her that I can't see myself with anyone else and that I really wanted to be with her. We left the conversation with her saying that she would reach out when she was ready to talk. That was about a month ago and we haven't spoken since. Today, I reluctantly re-downloaded the dating apps, but it just feels wrong. It feels like I'm making a mistake. I think about her every day and I am so worried about her well-being. I want to know how she's doing, but I also don't want to invade her space. Some people in my life said that maybe she lied to me, that she's not actually going to reach out, but she is not that kind of person. But the thought really does mess with my head. I honestly feel like I'm in limbo. When she broke up with her partner before me, they were texting her almost every day until she went to see them. She said that was incredibly frustrating, so I'm taking that into consideration when giving her space. I want this to work. I still love her, and I can't see myself with anyone else. Should I reach out? Should I continue to give her space? How much more space should I give her in the first place? One of my friends said to wait two months, but I'm wondering if I should reach out sooner just to see how she's doing and if she's doing okay. What should I do? This must be such a hard situation to be stuck in, especially losing your girlfriend all because she thinks she's not doing a good enough job and with this all being out of nowhere, I'm sure it's just so devastating. But with that in mind, she did set the boundaries pretty clear of how she wants to go about doing this. She pretty much said that she will reach out when she's ready to talk and I think you can basically take it as a sign that if she has not reached out yet, that she's not ready to talk. But even with all of that in consideration, I really don't think you should hold yourself back. Like, she clearly is not in a good place, and she needed time to figure things out, even though you probably loved her with all of your heart. And this all really does suck overall, but you really should respect her wishes, and at least give yourself the permission to move on with your life. Because in my opinion, not receiving any message from her is in itself a message that you can hold on to. And that is a message that she is not ready to talk or be 
in a relationship with you. So if I was in your situation, I would definitely work on myself and try and move forward as best I can. And hopefully you're able to do that because I don't think you should hold yourself back over this breakup. It's only going to cause you unhappiness and it will honestly only cause you damage in the long run. Today, I messed up by burning my eyes with glue that I was trying to use for my screen protector for my phone. And boy, do I feel pretty stupid. So I bought a new cell phone not long ago. And if you are me, you want a phone protected. So I got my OtterBox phone case and a screen protector that would do just that job. So the way the screen protector is installed is quite fancy. You have a kind of case where you have to put these pool noodles on the sides of the phone. And then after cleaning your phone screen, you put it in the case itself. Then you have to put glue from a tube on the cell phone. And with the use of a tool, gently pull down the phone case and the glue should spread out pretty evenly. I had three screens in that product. For the first try, there was a bubble between the screens. I tried my best to get rid of them, but as a result, the glue slid from out between the screens and I didn't have enough glue to get rid of any of the bubbles, so I had to try it again. On the second try, I cleaned my phone again from the glue. I take another screen protector, but when I try to pull off the plastic film, I only get the tip of it and there's no way to remove any more. But even though it's all kind of messing up, I know that I've got at least one more try to make this right. So on my third try, I take the last screen and everything is fine. I can remove the plastic film no problem. I put the glue from the second tube on the phone and since last time there was not enough, I try to put everything. So I squeeze it hard and somehow I make the tube spin in my hands and suddenly there is glue all over my face, including my eyes. Like small droplets because the tube was almost empty. At this point, I was so mad that the screen protector was not working that I still tried to put it on with my eyes starting to burn. There is not enough glue to fill in between the screens so I remove it and add the other tube but still it's not enough glue and there is bubbles everywhere and at this point my eyes are burning and I just lost $45 for a fancy phone case that does not work I wash my eyes with cold water and while it still burned just a little bit it was a bit better I'm hoping it'll go away but my phone now is slippery from the glue and the screen protector box with all the stuff is standing on my desk waiting for the trash there is honestly no more use for it anymore and I'm honestly just really disappointed. This is a really scary situation. First off, I've never heard of a screen protector requiring glue to get it on your phone. That's a new thing for me. But second off, you should probably go see a doctor. You literally just had glue jettisoned into your eye. And sure, it probably is no longer burning, but the fact that there's glue in your eye, period, is really, really scary. That's like losing your eyesight scary, in my opinion. And I'm not sure, but I think it's easy to assume that glue can probably cause some serious damage to your eyes, even if it's just a little bit, so you probably want to go to a doctor sooner than later. But maybe next time you can get a screen protector that will actually do you some good. Because what you were describing sounds way too complicated, and in my opinion, it's just not worth trying to go through the hassle. Maybe get one of those peel and stick ones that just kind of slap on the phone and protect it as it is, and you won't have to deal with any kind of glue again. But hopefully you get your eye checked out, because personally, it's just not worth the risk to not go to the doctor, only to then have problems with your eyes later down the line just because you didn't check. Thanks for watching. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. To finish listening to all the stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And the next time you live stream, use the Cream of the Crop music. Search Cream of the Stream on Spotify or whatever platform you use for copyright-free music to use for your next stream.